What's up, everyone? It is Going Off Track. I am Steven with Jonah and Brad. Buenos dias, as they say. We have a fantastic episode for you today. One I really enjoyed doing. I really enjoyed listening to again. And I think you guys are going to dig it. Our very good friend, Pete J.R. Wazalewski, the saxophonist from Less Than Jake, the, the longest ska band in history. Actually, they're not, but they've been around for a long-ass time. And Pete is a good, good dude. You know him as J.R. if you're a fan of the band. He came and sat down with us. Uh, I also want to mention, before I forget, we have a fabulous tab on our great website called Donate. So if you like the podcast and want to support us, go ahead and click on that tab and it will take you to an area where you can uh, send some dough to us. We put it right back into the podcast. And at some point, we're going to hook it up to a deal where we can send you a shirt or some stickers or some pins or things that we have now lying around. We gave them to our Kickstarter donors and uh, Brad put together a sick logo. Maybe you've seen it on the website. But also, uh, please head over to our Facebook page if you want to leave comments about podcast we don't have a comment section on the website because as jonah puts it they lower the bar of humanity yeah you can save your weird racist comments for youtube because <laughs> <laughs> it is the worst <laughs> sorry i feel like i always say this but it's like it it and does. i always read them yeah <laughs> I of course you do. dude I used, to, I used to do that uh, I, and the thing is that's the one that sticks they're all most people are really positive and nice. Then you find one. You're a scumbag. Well, now I want to start a war with you or write something back. Right, right. You're really angry and, and it, it does no good for anyone. So um, we're now uh, now where we live. Power is all back for everyone. I, th- I think one of the happier moments was watching my wife be thrilled when the Fios guy came two days early <laughs> so that we could stop watching Elmo videos on Apple TV ad nauseum. She's like, I have to watch something with a person and not a red monster. It has to happen. But this has nothing to do with Bar Rescue, Jonah Bear. So uh, Bar Rescue, are you guys familiar with the show? No. Nope. Um, it's on Spike TV. And um, basically it's this guy, John Taffer who looks like a linebacker. He's this really huge dude who's like a bar expert. And he goes into bars and is like, this place is disgusting. Like, he he sends in his wife, and then, like, the bar's always really shitty, and it always has a weird theme. Like, it's, like, weird strippers or, like, a pirate bar. Just, like, failing bars. And he goes in with his Wait group a minute, of experts. Wait a minute, there's pirate bars? Yes, there's a pirate-themed bar. Oh, I'd like um, to go there. <laughs> is it hard to get in? <laughs> and I was going to say bar. But, uh... <laughs> but I didn't, and then you did, and I was like, I can do it. But uh, so he's, but he's like super aggressive. He's sort of like modeling himself after Gordon Ramsay. I feel like where he's like just kind of gets in people's faces and yells. So I've become obsessed with this show, and like he'll be like, and I've started to talk like him. Like he always. <laughs> so, anyways, he's really big on premium cocktails. Like he'll go into the shitty bar, and they're like sponsored by Grand Marnier's. He is the show, so he'll be like, "We got a chilled Grand Marnier shot," and it's like. Dude, like, look at this bar. Like, you think anyone's going to order a chilled shot of Grand Marnier? <laughs> but I started t- following him on Twitter and tweeting at him because I was like, this dude uh, will probably write me back. So first I <laughs> tweeted at him from the United Nations account, and he said something about Polly Shore. And I was like, he's friends with Polly Shore, I guess, and he's promoted Polly Shore's thing. And I was like, dude, even you couldn't rescue that dude's career. You're better than that. And he wrote back, Polly's my friend. I stand by my friends. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Dude, serious. And I wrote back. I was like, all right, I respect that. Then during the hurricane, I, he's always talking about premium cocktails. He's like, premium cocktails. 
Like, so I was, we need a classy clientele. So I was like, John, what's your favorite premium cocktail to enjoy during a hurricane? And he wrote back, Johnny Walker Black. Okay. So fast forward a couple days later, uh, I'm watching Son in Law with my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Like I do. And I had actually just heard Polly Shore on Ari Shafir's podcast. And I was like, I didn't know his mom ran like that Mitzi Shore, Mitzi Shore yep. ran that comedy club and he grew up there and she dated all these comics and yep. I was like I was like Polly Shore actually not kind of like the as one- douchey just yeah I was be. like actually yeah. like a legit comedian like had this really interesting kind of crazy life mm-hmm. like you know like and I felt kind of bad about that comment so I've tweeted Polly Shore um Hey, like watching Son-in-Law totally stands up which it does did you do any of your own stunts during the farm scenes and he writes me back right away and is like, awesome, man. Like, that was such a fun movie to make. So didn't answer my question at all. <laughs> but still, I was like, man, like, this guy seems, like, pretty cool. He's connected to John Taffer. I watch way too much TV is <laughs> sort of the end result of this story. It's a wonderful six degrees. That's the cool but thing about Twitter is people, you can, like... It's that, and that blew my mind. I was like, dude, I'm sitting watching this Polly Shore movie. I've never met this dude. I'm writing something on my phone He's getting it and responding to me across the... Co- like, that's... Ins- like, it really, like, sort yeah. of hit me. It's like, you get so ingrained in these technologies, and it's like, I like, just sat back for a second, I was like, this is fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's, there's no six degrees between Polly Shore and me now. It's It just happened. Yeah. So, I, when I went to see... Uh, I had to go... Or I went and saw Get Him to the Greek in the theater, because I actually like Russell Brand. I think he's very funny. I do, too. And... But the movie, the movie's not that great, but uh, Sean Combs, Diddy, <laughs> uh, Sean Combs steals the movie. He's the funniest thing in the movie. Yeah. So I write on Twitter, uh, Diddy steals, get him to the Greek. He's hilarious. Uh, a little while later, uh, I am Diddy RT. Diddy steals his movie. He's hilarious. At Stephen Smith says, like he he retweeted me. Really? Yeah, that's amazing. You know that that's like one of my favorite comedy movies. Get him to the degree. Oh, love it. Although, let, let <laughs> me say this about that. Um, I feel like it's a little bit weird when people retweet compliments that people give them. Like, I feel like it's. I don't know if it's like an insecurity thing or an ego thing, but I feel like sometimes when it's like. You're great. You're great. And it's like retweet, retweet, retweet. It's I don't know. Like I feel like if you're responding to something, it's one thing or once in a while. But I feel like it's don't you feel like that's kind of a weird. Yeah. What's the dynamic with that? If it's a lot, I guess it's weird. I I, it's I like the reverse. I don't have an answer for you, but that when comedians always retweet someone saying talking shit about them. Yes, I like that. I like that a lot for sure. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's it's a good thing. Um, Pete from. Less than Jake, his Twitter is less than at less than Jr. At oh. less than Jr. And he may retweet you if you send him a compliment. Yeah, he probably will. He's a great, great dude, and I think you're gonna dig us talking to him. It's going on I'm not a jazz fan. I don't discount it, but like jazz is so notoriously shit on. It's the Just, ultimate punk rock. It it's really punk is. Before punk was punk, so punk, and they play their asses off mm-hmm. like if you go to you don't know it? what they're playing but boy they fucking can play like if you go to yeah. and, and they know that's and then they'll my play question. it again they'll no. play the same thing again no for no like, they don't 
No. You're talking about freeform jazz or no, stuff that's drives about jazz. You're, you're talking about fusion. Sometimes, mm. if you're really, um, you're, you're never bored, you have two kids, but sometime when you're really bored, sure. you can listen to Ornette Coleman or like uh, Don Cherry. That was the name of Cherry's father. Don oh, yeah, Cherry, yeah. Right? Who named his child Eagle Eye. Yeah, well, he was. Um, <laughs> but those guys play um, avant garde jazz. And it is like, it basically sounds, you might as well take a bunch of pots and pans, give them to the girls, and let them throw them against the floor. Because that's what it sounds like at times. Just like, there's no really time or meter or form, and they just kind of like... Coltrane did this record called Ascension, which was like one of the last things that he did. He did it. It's considered like his fucking greatest musical piece. And it's 40 minutes long. And they recorded it twice live it's just you don't even know what's going on it's like starts off it's like <laughs> just like this is the worst thing i've ever heard in my on, life. The, on the second this is john coltrane on the, the second recording did they did they do it exactly like the first one because that would have impressed me no i mean i've read stories and i think elvin jones was the drummer and i he said they said that after he did it, it was like each take was like 45 minutes so it's not like a little song by any means and they said that after he did the second take he just went outside and like passed out on the ground or whatever because they just you know, just took every intense. ounce of his soul out of him. Oh, and it was in the fifties at that studio in New Jersey. That's all fucking like you could still go there where Blue Note recorded everything. You know, really? and it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rudy Van Gelder was the guy who recorded all that stuff. You might notice there's a different type of uh, musician and artistry coming out of the mouth of our guest than normally we get from bands. But this gentleman also knows his punk rock like the back of his hand. Our guest today is Pete Wazalewski, aka oh, Jr. Oh, this is recording from oh, Less Than Jake. <laughs> Woo! Yes. So thank Who? you very much for joining us. What? Who? What Le- band? Less than Jake. Oh, yeah. Meaning, do you know? Meaning we- there was a Jake, and this Jake is slightly less. Do you than know that they put on Marquee the other day, less than, T-H-E-N, Jake, the wow. venue that we've played multiple times, and we've only been a band for uh, 20 years, you know? Was less spelled L-E-S, though? No, it was actually spelled correctly, <laughs> it was, but it's T-H-E-N. Because then it could be just be, you know, two guys, one well, after the other. Yeah, less, less and then comma, Jake. Then Jake. <laughs> Did they ever combine it? And it's less ten Jake. Yeah, less less ten Jake. Yeah, man. Look, they always it, it's never right. You know, they're always like, "Who's Jake?" The singer. Our singer's name is Jake. I will have to say that you are the first uh, brass player we've had nice. on the podcast. You'll be bummed to know that I'm a woodwind player, though. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Oh, damn cool, it! Though. Crap. What's the difference? Read. read. To read. Yes. Fuck me. I knew that. See? I knew that and I You're said there. You're going to say woodwind. You're usually good with this stuff. Yeah, but you know what's strange is that if you play the flute, that's also woodwind, but it has no wood. Right. Yeah, I don't know, man. I didn't make up the rules. I'm just following them. Aren't there wooden flutes? There have to be. Yeah, they're called recorders. Ah, yes, yeah. the recorder. Mm-hmm. You never <laughs> see that? You never see that? Tossing that out in a ska band. I actually used a recorder on one record that we just did. Really? A little while ago. We did a cover of SpongeBob SquarePants. And at the end, it's little recorder at the end the, on the original thing. And I'm like, well, I guess somebody's going to have to play it. And nice. It's going to be me. So you're, so you're a you're a full-on musician. Yeah, you, you I'm, went I'm to multifaceted and everything. You went to Berkeley? I don't even know what that means. Berkeley School? The one up in Boston? Yep, Berkeley College of Music. I Where, graduated, too. What? That's very rare. I did a five-week guitar summer class there <laughs> yeah. once. They, and everyone I met there was like, we go here for like a year or two to meet other musicians and start a band, start Dream Theater or whatever. Yeah, yeah. When I sat there, I was like, the, the first day when you're a freshman, they're like, okay, look to your left. Look to your right. You know, most schools, they go, look to your left, look to your right. You won't graduate that guy. They go, go, look to your left, look to your right. Now look behind you, look in front of you, look down the aisle, 
None of these people will be next to you when you graduate. <laughs> and I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> now, did so. you go when John Mayer was there? Who? Yeah, exactly. Never heard of the guy. <laughs> yeah, maybe I did. I, pro- I think I did. I must have, like, just looking at the years. Um, but nobody really... <sighs> it's really strange because everybody's so introverted there because they're all musicians or pretending to be musicians. You know, that they think that part of being a musician is, like, they need to dress weird, cut their hair weird, you know, smoke weed and be really antisocial and so it makes it increasingly difficult to like make friends you know so the fact that i had any friends from that school was shocking i had more friends from outside of that school than i had in the school just did you start a band like immediately were you in bands I was before in a band. school yeah i was in a band and it was strange because um they were like <laughs> i'd gig every weekend and all of these guys that were like far superior musicians to me were like you know, jerking off in the dorm room. And they're like, oh, man, I should play the ska music, man. I bet I could really get down on that cat. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you could just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, would go you, right ahead. You know, go Would ahead. you frequent Little Stevie's Pizza? I would, actually. Me too. Um, until I got the shits. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> it happens. You know what? And I just went there, the, like, recently. Okay. Um, maybe within the last six months. And it's completely redone. Remember, it was all like dirty and dingy. It was dingy. dirty. There were like video games in the corner. And it was like, I went there, I was like 17. I would go there like every night and eat pizza. And like looking back, I was like, that place is kind of scary. Yeah, it's totally sketchy. Now it's completely like gentrified. It's amazing. Uh, really yeah. nice. It happens. Yeah. Well, so you're from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Born, born and raised. Born and raised. And how did you get introduced to uh, the woodwinds? Not um, brass. Fuck that. I had this, <laughs> when I was in fifth grade, I wanted to play... I think it was around that time, fifth grade, they're like, yeah, you should play an instrument. I was like, yeah. I played (laughs) piano, and I really wanted to play saxophone. So I went with my parents to the, they had like the night at the elementary school where everybody came, and they had all the instruments, you know, opened, and you could look at them and rent them. And uh, they fucking, I go, I want to play the saxophone. Like, we're out of saxophones. But (laughs) here, you should play this clarinet. It's really close. And I was, you know, nine and easily susceptible to people's you know suggestions so i went with a clarinet and i fucking hated the clarinet it was the worst and i think i hated my teacher more than i hated the clarinet well, at least they didn't um, hand you the oboe yeah well that was like years later i played that and that's just like i would have lost my i i don't think they let you play oboe until you're in like the seventh grade that's, that's because of the high suicide rate of yeah just making the read of, yeah. and making the sound yeah. makes you want to kill somebody it sounds like a duck with aids can you say that yeah oh, okay you say whatever you want. Well, yeah. I, again duck with aids i don't know how the duck <laughs> contract it i didn't know i think it's conquack yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> not five minutes in <laughs> that gets Ooh, a round of applause thank you thank Dang, you that's yeah. great all right let me put that on the chalkboard yeah. <laughs> you can edit that <laughs> but I think today. you should just have that like a thousand times. It's ridiculous the amount. It's awesome. God, I'm gonna, that's great. That uh, is great. Yeah, thank you. Thank, you, know, you. thank you. So you start on the clarinet, and when did you finally be? Seventh grade. Seventh grade, got mm-hmm. the saxophone. And uh, which saxophone was it? Because I know there's a saxophone. gazillion. Hmm? It's tenor saxophone. Tenor, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're playing now? That's what I currently play. Yep. Um, that's what they tell me I should play. They tried to get me to switch when I joined Less Than Jake because they had a baritone saxophone player prior to me but i always thought it um sounded muddy you know what does that mean like when it with this different you know tones just different tones so it's more buttons Mm, no same amount of buttons it's just a lower um lower register so instead of it sounding all high and 
awesome. It sounds all low and muddy, which is also cool, you know, but um, not when you're playing with two trombone players at the time. It wasn't right. cool. So I think the first introduction to saxophone that I had as a kid was like Springsteen. Yeah. And then Clarence. in excess. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. And yep. I remember the video for Need You Tonight, the extended one. They had that yeah, song. Yeah, they had the dude playing the Mediate. Yeah. And it came out and they had the sign that said sax solo. And I'm like, what the hell is that? That doesn't look like a sax. <laughs> yeah. It's like what a, is that? It was like a soprano or yeah, something. Yeah, that's good. Wow. You, did you do like some research before? No, like, usually up? I don't screw up shit at the beginning and oh, say brass good. when I mean woodwind. That was good, though. Damn, Supra- like Not fudge. many people know that it's soprano saxophone, man. That's. Yes. You're showing some skills right now. Probably looked it up. Yeah, it's good. Because then, then I remember seeing uh, Fishbone a thousand years ago. Yeah, man. When it had the the first lineup. <laughs> yeah. And when Angelo, they were awesome. And Angelo came out playing a saxophone that was the size of him. That was his, I think his it's called a double bass saxophone. Okay. It was probably at the time maybe Tiger Striped or something like that. It's gigantic. Yeah. He's the guy that really made me want to play a horn for real like i saw them in primus when i was like 16 i saw that tour yeah it was awesome was for reality tour. of my surroundings right? yeah man that guy was they were that was when they were probably that was the peak of them being just awesome they were phenomenal angela was jumping off things and mm-hmm. right throwing his gu- horns right before the guitar player left and joined whatever before cult. they kidnapped him yeah before they kidnapped him back yeah, and he went back to the cult yeah man oh fishbone yeah. um now when so your plans so you're living in connecticut yes. and your plan you finally got your saxophone in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. What music were you gravitating towards? Um, at, when I was in middle school, I was a really big hip-hop fan, believe it or not. It's huge. I think it was just because it was really popular at the time, and it was also very... It was completely opposite of heavy metal, which I thought was kind of... Which I liked, but I kind of went through my metal phase in like a year and a half. By the time I hit eighth grade, I wanted... And it was a new music form, hip-hop, you know? And it, I think now... Versus then, then everybody had their own sound. Everybody looked different. They all had their own thing that they were talking about, you know, and it was very um, small group of dudes that were doing it. How'd you get into metal at eighth grade? I was, I mean, I'm still ridiculously uncool, but even then, eighth grade, I was like, this 5150 record's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? It was that, um, does the... uh, Illusions, that really turned me off, the double... Guns N' Roses record, I was like, fuck you. Yeah, this is too much. Half of them are crap. Yeah. That was like 91. You were like, I'm over metal. It was Chinese Democracy 1 and 2, you know? <laughs> I was just like, man, you know? It, I don't know. It was, And everything kind of tar- started turning really shitty. Like, when you had Britney Fox and the top 10, like, I knew that it was time to run away. Hurricane, you Trickster, know? Nelson. Like, in mm. contrast, our singer Chris, he is the biggest metalhead you could ever meet. And not only does he know and own all of the Trickster catalog, he could tell you um, who produced the records, what the minor hits were off of it, like that kind of shit. And I, That's unfortunate. Yeah, it's really unfortunate <laughs> because then he plays it too. And his, his whole iPod is full of stuff that you don't like. That's oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just... It's a good way to keep people away from your iPod. Yeah, it's a good way to keep his iPod hidden too. Just take it... So you're into hip hop, yeah. so mm-hmm. uh, hip hop, and then how did you get drawn into SKA? Um, <clears throat> strange story, because I wasn't a hip hop, and then as I got a little bit older, when I got into high school, like I started listening to more um, punk rock, you know. Because to be honest with you, it was the Beastie Boys that got me into punk rock because they were into this band called the Bad Brains, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember reading MCA saying 
this record is amazing. And so I checked out this Bad Brains record, and I thought that was awesome. And Which the Ramones were always a uh, an influence, but I never knew that they were a punk band until, like, later. Because when I was, like, seven or eight, WPIX was a TV station in New York, Channel 11, and they played Rock and Roll High School. And I thought that was the coolest Fuck. I thought Joey Ramone was the coolest guy walking. I remember when you know, I was 13 the, There's this whole thing where he eats pizza. Like, you know. Oh, yeah. So I knew <laughs> I knew who the Ramones were. I was into but I never thought they were punk. They were just like a cool band of rock guys because they wore leather jackets. So they mm. were rockers, you know. Um, so anyways, <clears throat> listen to this Bad Brains record. I thought it was... Which record was it? Um, it was the first record. Just Bad Brains. Okay. You know, band in... Was it Band in D.C.? Is that what it's called? I get no, just the first, the first Bad Brains record is just Bad Brains. The yellow yeah. one with the... That's Rock for Light. Is that the first the yellow record? one's Rock? Well, that's where it gets confusing because they have like the black dots. And the, the one that has dots. Attitude on it. Oh, then I don't know. Yeah, it's the first record. Okay. Like the, the, their first, first record. Yeah. And I had it on vinyl because that's where I found it. Some shitty record store. Uh, um, so I listened to it and I was like, wow, this is kind of crappy. I don't get it, you know. And then uh, when I was working at this place in high school, this guy said to me, oh... Uh, I was like 16, and the guy said, oh, I play in a ska band. I'm like, who's Scott? He goes, no, dude, ska, S-K-A. And I was like, oh, ska. I don't know what that is. He's like, well, it's kind of like reggae. Um, anyways, we have a horn section. You play saxophone. Do you want to play? And I was like, sure. So I went to rehearsal and showed up. And, you know, we were in high school. What was the name of the band? We were called JC Super Ska. Wow, is there anyone else in that band I may know? Yeah, my friend uh, Mike Woods, he was in a band up till recently called Damone. Mm-hmm. They're a pretty good band. My friend Anthony, who was playing in the Libertines, and he played in Dirty Pretty Things, and he lives in London now. He's just crazy. Was he in the Pilfers? No. no. Okay, I get no. They all, we all kind of... Wasn't Matt from Angels and Airwaves in yes. 30 Seconds to Mars? Matt from Angels and Airwaves. Well, not, yeah, it's Angels and Airwaves now. Yeah. He was in there for a little bit. Matt was in there for a little while. He was our bass player man, for a while. bringing that up to Matt. He's like, duh. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, man. He was, uh, he was one of my first, my only friends from college. One of the first and only met people that I met at college. And we've been friends to this day, you know, so. J.C. Um, Super Scott. Yeah, man. That was, uh, <laughs> that was an interesting time, you know. It was fun to ska has to be in the name somewhere at that time, yeah. But there was only two ska bands in the whole state of Connecticut at that time. I mean, and it wasn't like a popular music form in ninety one, ninety two, ninety one. Yeah. So there was two ska bands. It was JC Super Ska, and then the band that I ended up joining after that was Spring Hill Jack. Right. So I was in the two ska bands from Connecticut That's- at the time. That's how old I am. I'm so old. <laughs> I originated a scene. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that there's just two in the whole state. Yeah, in the entire state. And then, they, you know, there's ones afterwards or whatever, but those don't count. So you were playing these bands and going to school. So you, you mm-hmm. committed. I was, I knew that this is what I was going to do somehow. I didn't know how exactly. When I decided I was going to go to music school, that's when I was like, yeah, this is something. I could see myself doing this, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. Do they you know. make you play everything and learn everything? I always, whenever people say they go to school for music, they always okay. I learned you learn theory, and that just sounds you know, like impressive. Sight when singing I, theory, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you would know better than me. I, my parents, my father specifically, he was a very conservative guy. Worked, moved out of his house when he was sixteen, but he started working. 
you know, he's also a funeral director. So that's like a different thing altogether. And I'd said to him, gee, I, I think I want to study music. And <laughs> I remember the day I was like, mom, dad, I'm going to go to, I want to go to college, study music. He goes, go to your room. We got to talk. And my mother and him had a talk and I think it was a very short conversation because he was like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? Send this kid to <laughs> money to go do what? Play his what? Come on. You know? So I was like. Stupid clarinet ruined so, everything. <laughs> no, for real. So I went into the other room and I can't, I heard him, you know, and I quick opened the booklet from Berkeley and I said, brought it back out. And I'm like, music education. I'll be a teacher. That's a real job job has benefits benefits means you have a real job mm -hmm. real job means my father won't bust my balls so i was like i'll go to school for education and at the end of it you said he bought it he did i told <laughs> well it's like i've always been able to tuck myself into situations and then when i get into the situation i'm like fuck i guess i gotta you know do something <laughs> here so i started doing the education thing and it was they i did i'm glad that i took that as a uh Rather than like, there's other things like performance and songwriting and, but I already knew how to, you know, if you don't know how to play your instrument, then why are you in college music school? So performance to me doesn't make any sense. Songwriting. I mean, what are they going to do to teach you how to write a song? Like the best songwriters, historically speaking, never took a songwriting course. You know what I mean? So uh, and probably couldn't I? read music. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, I'm not going to, I wasn't going to be fucking, you know, Give me some popular songwriter, Justin Bieber. It wasn't going to be Justin Bieber. He writes his own songs, right? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure totally. he does, yeah. Tur totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't going to be him, and I wasn't going to um, be a composer. or like a, I wasn't into production or engineering or anything like that. So, so. You, took, you took the education classes to yeah. teach. Mm -hmm. And it was very helpful, actually, to and this ba day. Based on what, how I've seen you talk and hang out with bands at Warp Tour, you did become a teacher. Somewhat. Just not really music. Life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Life teacher's easier than music teacher, I think. For those of you who've been to Warp Tour and know that there are the, the shall we say, old school bands of Warp Tour and then the younger bands, mm -hmm. when the buses pull up in the parking lot, there is a line and very few cross that line. You know, like, like you're just not going to be a young band and walk over and hang out in the circle of chairs of the barbecue yeah, we call it no the circle effects. of love most yeah. people call it the circle of hate but yeah. i call it the circle of love because yeah, all you guys sit around there and talk about all the bands you hate it's a great place to be if you're yeah. welcomed in yeah. <laughs> well i think that there's like the newer bands and now there's like the newer newer bands like i feel like to me like taking back sunday thursday all those bands that's seem like they're the beyond new bands. that they're, they're those not are like the old anymore. school like yeah but they were new bands yeah and now that newfound glory is a old school band Which makes is, me go well then what the fuck are we totally. you know and then i look at bad religion and i go well they oh, what are they you know what i mean <laughs> like if we're if they're old school we must be Fossils. old old school <laughs> and those guys must be like dead right? <laughs> <laughs> great grandparents or something like sorry greg graffin don't worry he's not listening so maybe he might be we'll send, we'll send it to jay jay will spread it around Jay Bentley. Um, uh, but you you would cross the line. You would go hang out with young bands, and you would go yeah. watch and see younger bands. Oh, yeah. A lot of the older bands, they just didn't care. They wouldn't yeah. do it. Or they'd find someone to make fun of, which also has its value. Yes. Yeah, I felt like I just remember Fat Mike just making fun of everyone well, that's when what I was he, on that tour. But that's what he does. Yes. That's yes. absolutely I, what he does. But I do feel like there was kind of like a... Not a dividing line, but I did feel like a, there weren't a lot of people in your position who would be like, I'm going to see, check out, I feel like a lot of bands would kind of, we're older, we're going to go golf or hang out on the bus or whatever. Well, that's what we wanted to do, though. That was kind of our, we were the, somehow we got grandfathered in with the old school dudes, you know, and whether it's because we just were on the tour a bunch or because we were old, we didn't 
you know, we liked those guys anyways, so we were stoked on it. But then, you know, Vinny ran a record label for a long time. Um, and then he ran, a, you know, he started another label. And part of being on a record label is having bands that you sign and that are new bands. And we would take those bands out on tour with us. So I would make friends with those guys because I wasn't specifically the oldest guy in the band, you know. Um, and like, to be honest with you, you know, people always say, oh, well, those guys aren't punk rock or this isn't punk rock or, you know, like. Punk rockers tend to be the most closed-minded people for a music form that should be very open-minded and was always sent to, you know, was based upon, you know, being open-minded. And I've always found the doing... most punk rock artist ever is probably Prince. Yeah. You know? Joe Strummer said to me, punk rock is doing what you want. Go back one second. Say that again. Yeah, Joe Strummer said to me, punk rock is doing what you want. When were you talking to Joe Strummer? 98. Wow. Some friends of mine were on tour with him, the Pie Tasters. They were oh, on yes. tour with Joe and the Mescaleros and... We were backstage, and him and I had a glass of cognac together, and I asked him that one question. What is punk rock to you? And he goes, punk is doing whatever you want, mate. And that's the most brilliant thing this yeah. has ever said to me, and it's stuck, you know? And like, So you're good. You can just, you can do whatever for I the rest of your life. You're fine. <laughs> you talk to Joe Strummer. I mean, but that's what it is, you know? And like, somebody tell me he's not punk rock, you know? Mm -hmm. And you know, he didn't try to do anything. He he was more into reggae than he was in a punk. Yeah, he was a hippie beforehand. You know? I mean, weren't really a punk. So, either, you know? that being said, going and talking with other young kids or whatever, all I was trying to do is like learn, you know, for me it's a learning curve about you learn from these kids cuz like some of them are great. Some of them totally suck and are but they're really nice people, you know? So, it, at some point I got a reputation. I don't know how of being like a guy that you want to have drinks with or party with or whatever. So I will live up to that reputation, but not all the time. You know, I'm not a party animal, but I do like to have a good time. You're a fun, happy guy. Yeah, it's fun. Life is fun. Now, when you were in school, did you go to Warp Tour? Like before you ended up on it? I did once go to Warp Tour in 1997. Ah, uh, yes. Maybe. Because Fishbone was on that tour. Yeah. And, the and that's why I went. That's why I went. I didn't get to see the Descendants, but I did see Fishbone. That was awesome because I got there late. I had no idea what this Warped Tour thing was. We didn't get there till like four in the afternoon. And I'm like, wait, what? Who played when? What? And that's when you found out early that you have to get there early. That was the year they, they started more than two stages. And I remember going, this is crap. I'm supposed to see all these bands. Yeah, jeez. Come on, man. Uh, now, I remember we were on the year where there was like 10 stages. 2003, there was like, it was like a dozen stages. And then now, now it's like... Kevin's got it back to like, I think maybe six mm -hmm. or eight. And then, but he lets all these people with tents have PAs and stuff. And no, oral assaults all day long, just punishing. Yeah. Punishing. It's, it's hard to keep track. So when did you join Lesson Drake? I'm trying to get the chronology. 2000. 2000. Okay. June of 2000. Got it. June 13th, 2000, actually. I remember the date. When, so you know, were you in Spring Hill Jack while in school? Yes. Okay. For six years. And were they all buddies from Berkeley or they I were knew, friends from Connecticut? My friend, um, we just knew each other from playing gigs, but like I was really good friends with Chris Rhodes, who mm -hmm. plays in the Boston's now, you know. Um, and he had said to me, hey man, if you ever get tired of JC Super Ska, come on, you can come play with us. Totally. I always thought they were way, way professional and and I, I forget what it was. It was one thing or it led to another and I joined the band and um, it was fun because I thought they were a tight band and they were cool guys so I could get along with them. And then, uh, 
later on things kind of fell apart. But and then half the battle when bands start is it's not like it, it, it's musicianship. Yeah, that should be a given. But can we hang? Well, I mean, and that's the whole thing. Like 10 years, 12 years now, after we broke up, I still talk to those guys. Like Rhodes, I just hung out with him last night. He's one of my best friends. And those guys I talk to once a week, you know, and a long stretch, maybe once a month. Like I talk to each one of those dudes and, you know, occasionally we'll get together and do a show. You guys run a major? Um, I don't know what you would call it. It was a subsidiary of Tommy Boy at the time. It was called Ignition Records. And it was a startup label. And they pitched it to us because... The two other acts that they had signed at the time were Anthrax and Sam I Am, who we were massive fans of both bands yeah. at the time. So um, we were like, yeah, totally, we're into this. And like, the money was right, the A&R guy was right. They let us record at the Hit Factory in New York, which was in- insane 22 which is, which years is now old. Which now a Gibson showroom. Yeah, isn't that so sad, man? Have you been so sad. Not yet, no. Beautiful, there amazing creations of music yeah. made there. Yeah, and now it's it's fucking. The, they didn't work they there, put out been in there. You are freaking me out. Is that the same yeah. record they did? Mm-hmm. Man, that's, that is such a killer. That's record. my favorite record. That record by is him. so stupid, so good. And they just put out demos of it. Did you hear that? And people didn't like that record when it came out too. <sighs> they like they they spit on shit on that record, you know. And well, like, people wanted clumsy or sore. Well, Sergi, you know? the last time we toured with them, beginning of this year, and I told him, I was like, that is up there. You it's know what up, I mean? Like yeah. top. I would say top 20 records, that record, like really influenced me at a good time in my life, you know, so great records. This would be a great segue for Brad to tell us Sam I am touring. Which story. record I didn't hear. You, you, are, you are freaking, freaking me out. out. Right. That one and Astray, I think is great for like, yeah, uh, Astray's a good record. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they're, they're just one band. of those bands that, that I remember oh, so good listening to, to and really? with oh, my man. friends, we all love them. We'd go see him at the old 930 in DC. And that was one of those moments where I'm like, I, there's a chromosome in me that is missing because I don't understand why this band isn't huge. Did well, I, they're so good, but they're just kind of boring, you know, like, and I don't mean that in a, in a, fuck i hope they don't hear this but like they're really really talented and so good and like we, when we just toured with them like every song was just fucking right on but they're just boring you know just stand there and that's i mean that's 95 percent of the bands that don't do well live or just they're not because they don't play their instruments well just because they're really fucking boring live they just stand like I... who the hell wants like coldplay perfect example if I want to hear the fucking record, put the record on. I want to go see the show. If you make a couple of mistakes and stuff, that's yeah. great. That's part of the show. I love it. You know? Like, that's, I don't know. Maybe that's I'm a good comparison. A I mean, it's funny, but it's kind of true. Sam I am and Coldplay. Yeah, I'm not. <clears throat> trust me. They're not. <laughs> Except Coldplay, Coldplay can hold on to a drummer. <laughs> but I mean, you know, and as you get older, too, when you're younger, in your 20s, you, or, you know, in your teens, even, you don't, you've kind of this reckless abandon that you don't really fucking care you know you'll go up on stage and you'll get shit canned and you know break stuff and whatever and then as you get older if you continue to achieve success then i think you start getting paranoid where you're like well fuck how am i going to keep the success well i should probably stop getting wasted you know mm-hmm. and in some respects yeah that's a great idea in other respects it's probably the worst thing that you could do because those people that are become sober maybe they were big assholes when they're sober you know so i always think about those things so spring hill jack imploded and as i like to say due to band shit yeah just, just band life. stuff you know just life so yeah. when did and less than jake from what i've learned had gone through a number of woodwind and or yeah. brass folk it's true they had like three or four guys that they had gone through in that seven years that they had existed at the time so was it always Chris, Roger? It was always Chris, Roger. Well, Vinny. even them. Like, it was actually always just Chris and Vinny. Okay. They were the original two. And they had this bass player that they ended up kicking out. And Roger joined, who was a guitar player originally. Mm-hmm. But he started playing bass. 
And then Buddy saw them play, and he's like, hey, man. You know, there was a sax player girl and he, with them. Her name was Jessica. Um, and then Buddy saw him. He's like, hey, man, you need a trombone player. And so he started playing with them and Jessica. And then I think after that, this guy Darren joined. And then Pete, who was in Slapstick, joined, like, for Hello Rockview era, mm-hmm. you know. And then everybody, all those three people quit, you know, they just, for whatever reason, life, you know. And um, I had, we had a mutual friend in Jake from, uh, the name's Matt Malice. He's playing this band, The Toasters. Oh, yeah. And uh, who took us, uh, who took Spring Hill out on our first tour and ended up being tour manager with four less than Jake. And they lost their sax player, long story. And they called me and I said, yes, I'll come play with your band. So and, I went and tried out. Here I am. Had you been doing anything else? I was student teaching. Oh, okay. And actually, that's why I quit Spring Hill Jack at that time, because I was student teaching, and I was just about to get my degree. And uh, I got a phone call from one of the members, and he's like, you don't make, this band isn't your priority. And I'm like, dude, just hang on for, give me two months, and I'm going to be done with this. Like, mm-hmm. graduated degree, done. Then I don't ever have to fucking, then I could concentrate on the band. You're not making the band a priority. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. I quit. And then that was it. You know, and then like about a month later, I got a call from Vinny saying, do you want to try out? And I was like, well, send me some records because I didn't really know any of the material. And then I said, uh, I don't want to play in your band. Not to him, but like, I think I said it to my brother. I was like, I don't want to play in this band. He's like, what are you, fucking crazy? I'll never forget the conversation. He's like, you're out of your mind. And I'm like, I just, you know, I think I want to teach. I think I'm ready to do this because I really enjoyed, I did. I really enjoyed teaching, you know, and uh, here I am talking to you. 13 years later. The so big I, time. I don't know if I made the right decision, but it was a decision nonetheless. You know, when you realize here. you're sitting talking to a podcast that has literally dozens of listeners. <laughs> the dozens you, and dozens right of choice. listeners. Yeah. So did you move to Florida? No. Okay. I've always stayed in Connecticut. I okay. do go back and forth to Gainesville a lot. I probably am there half of the year, you know, and I have been for like the last decade. Um, but it's cool. It kind of gives me uh, two homes, two homestead. Even though I don't own a home down there, but, you know, it's still cool. It's so, nice. when, so when you graduated, you, you finished your degree, do that, and you're, mm-hmm. and you're now in Less Than Jake. Yes. The the back catalog of that band, mm-hmm. there's a lot of damn songs. Yeah. And they tend, and I've seen you play live a number of times, all of them. Yes. A lot of tunes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, 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 was that something that you looked at it with trepidation? Or? When I got the... <laughs> When I first got the package of CDs from Vinny, there was a note. I have the note somewhere. And it said, Pete, here's the CDs. Learn some tunes. Vinny. No list. No group of songs. And it was fucking five records at the time, you know? And I was like, I don't even know where to start, you know? <laughs> and I put in the first record, which was Pezcore. This was at the beginning of the internet, like really when the internet was starting to become a thing. So I went and I looked online to see which record came out first, second. You know, after I waited 20 minutes for the page to load, I found out that it was Pezcor and then losing streak and whatever. So I put in Pezcor first and I got through the first 30 seconds and I was like, I can't do this. I was like, I just can't. It's too punk rock for me. You know, like at the time, you know, but it was recorded poorly Mm -hmm. to that particular record. I mean, they recorded it in two days. You know what I mean? Like, so um, then I put in Hello Rockview and I found that record to be really good. You know, sounded good. Songs were really good. Then when you learn the stories behind everything, you know, from just time of being in there, then you learn 
you know, stories of how things were rearranged and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, that was the record that I was like, oh, I could totally get down with this. Like, yeah, this is cool. So that was it. When did you stop feeling like the new guy? Um, (laughs) I don't know. You know, I don't, I think maybe it's about five or six years in, you know, I think after now that if you take the other three members, former members of less than Jake that were horn players and you take all the time that they individually spent in the band and you added it all up together, it doesn't even come close to the, the half the time that I've been in this band. Seriously. So I've been in, I feel like I've a member, I feel like I've been a member for a long time. And I think maybe when the, you know, they said to me something along those lines, like you're, you know, just know that you're, I had to ring. hear it verbalized. They give you your bracelet. Or- yeah, they gave me a bracelet. <laughs> there was a ceremony. Um, there was some elks involved, I think. Maybe I, the I got one of Roger's dreads. Yeah, I wear it around my neck. You just you can't see it. I keep it lower. That yeah. dude's dreads, man. Yeah, it smells like shit, those things. I, I don't have a lousy sense of smell, so I'm going to have to take that on faith from you. You know what's awesome? They are huge. Oh, their skin, they get so natty, and we tell them to cut them all the time. And he just had a son, you know, and he's always, Simon's always grabbing at him. And I'm just like, someday you're going to cut those things off, and you're going to look like an old man. <laughs> we always joke with <laughs> him. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm never cutting them off, never cutting them off. So his And Simon's hair was starting to curl up. And I go, oh, his dreads are coming in nicely. <laughs> you know? That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> My band uh, toured Europe with Army of Punch. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, I, man. Jack Bailey. Yes, Good Jack dude. Bailey. Gee. Was Gee? Yeah. Gee, it was Gee, Geis, and this kid Danny played drums. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. And then we did some stuff with Rehasher, too. But um, yeah, I love those dudes. That's a, Rehasher's a good band. Yeah, really Gee is amazing. Geis is amazing. Those guys, like... Ponch was a great band. So I really good. I used to get, w- watch them every night, and they would just blow my mind. Yeah, they just couldn't they were. keep it together, though. You know, know what I mean? It's like sometimes in Gainesville specifically, people drink until they are blacked out, not till they're drunk. Like, and I've never seen anything. It's an anomaly like that anywhere in the world. They drink Maybe so they much. Realize down they're in there. Florida. They're stuck in Gainesville, well, and it's so cheap. It's so, it's the only place you can still get drunk for ten bucks. Yeah. Go out to the bar and get drunk for ten bucks. I'm talking, yeah, because you... they sell buck fifty talls. Right. You know what I mean? And nobody leaves more than fifty cent tips for those poor bartenders right. down there. So you need more than ten dollars to get a beer in Brooklyn. Uh, you can't even get in the door for ten bucks in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Like down there, honest to God, ten dollars you can get wasted. It's great. It's great. <laughs> it's great. I don't drink that much anymore because that the stuff that they sell you to get drunk for ten dollars doesn't agree with me so much. But yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, PBR used to be great. <laughs> oh God, <clears throat> I hated that beer for years, and then had one a little while ago, and I was like, I I remember this worse than I thought it was. This is fantastic. Yeah, it tastes like aluminum. Uh, the best things do. Mm. I think I saw you after you got your first tattoo. Yes, yes, perhaps. Yeah, which is Mr. Milo Ackerman. Yeah, that was a good one. It's a yeah. good firsty. But you do have, and I've told this to many people, one of my all-time favorite tattoos that someone ever got. Which one? It's on your calf. Oh, the Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just Godzilla. Godzilla thinking about sushi. (laughs) It's a true story. I got it in Japan. That was the best thing because I talked to a friend. I was back when AOL Instant Messenger was a big deal. I was talking to a friend of mine. She lives in Australia. And I'm like, I'm going to get a tattoo in Osaka. And I'm like... 
what should I get it of? And she's like, Godzilla, thinking about sushi. Uh, <laughs> and I said, that is brilliant, and I'm going to do it. <laughs> so when I went in to tell the guy, like, we didn't go into like, 2 in the morning or whatever to get this done. And I had our interpreter tell the guy, he didn't speak any English, and I'm like, tell him I want Godzilla's head thinking with like a, a cartoon bubble thinking about sushi. And the tattoo artist like doubled over. He laughed so hard. He's like, <laughs> really? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> and he's like, I don't mean to be disrespectful, you know, via my interpreter. He's like, I didn't mean to, mean to be disrespectful, but, you know, this is usually when people come in here, they want like some kind of like Yakuza gangster right. tattoo or whatever. And he goes, it's, that's really cool. I'm really excited to do it. And he had a Godzilla statue and he holds it, goes like this. And I'm like, yeah. And he, Freehand drew this, and it's the best tattoo I have by far. <laughs> I mean, you'd be disrespectful, but periodically Godzilla comes in and destroys our towns. Yeah, I was. It's very upsetting. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I was like, sorry about what he does. Um, didn't you know? I pr I won't step on any buildings. I'm sorry. <laughs> Never seen him eat sushi. See, and I he wanted to get it this. with his laser eyes. Someday, I, when I go back there, I will get it built up where his body's here, and I wanted the whole cityscape getting destroyed. Nice. But he's destroying it, and then over here would be like the sushi palace. And he's just destroying the city because he wants to get to the sushi palace. That is a great It'll idea. There. It'll get there someday. For a, a, a pant leg, <laughs> they call it when it's on your... Yeah, I have this whole life thing ahead of me, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start working on it. <laughs> I don't know when, but we'll get there. Okay, let's talk about that with Less Than Jake. Because I, you, Less Than Jake, one, your fan base is bonkers. Yeah, crazy. And I've been to numerous shows, all different kinds of venues. They always sell out. We, we, I remember uh, Trish and I went to see you guys, Goldfinger, and who was the other damn band at Roseland? Maybe it was Big D or somebody like that. I don't yeah, know. I don't know, but I remember we walked in and there was Goldfinger playing and I was like, oh shit, it's 93. You know, it's like, it's yeah. happening all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. 98, I yeah. guess. Uh, no, Goldfinger? Be 96. 98, 97. Because uh, I saw Goldfinger... Uh, blah, yeah, just after the Electric Love Hogs broke up, right? <laughs> <laughs> We're walking in, I was like, this is... Wow, where are we? This is happening. Yeah. And then you guys came out, and um, I don't know if this was the show with... The Wheel of Fortune wheel. Oh, no, no, The Price that was, is Right wheel. Yeah, The Price is Right one was with Real Big Fish. That, okay. was, uh, that was an undertaking, for sure. We did a Price is Right-themed tour. And we brought like plank we made our own plinko board. We made the big wheel and had people come up and contestants. And it was actually fun. But was, you guys did one of the greatest and biggest, one of the coolest, but also biggest fuck yous I've ever seen happen to it fans. It was so awesome. You put the Price Is Right wheel. Oh yeah. Uh, for the um, the showcase showdown. Uh, and Chris, who's a, actually a great TV host. Yeah, Bob Boner. Yeah, what we were calling him. <laughs> oh, Fuse used to drag him into stuff all the time. Yeah. They wouldn't pay you, Chris. That's why they did it. But he's yeah. also really, really solid. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and my wife would put Less Than Jake on VH1 for years. Well, he's funny. He's, yeah. a, he's actually, he's an honestly, yeah. everybody in my band is, honestly, they're funny people. They're, you know, it's hard to get a word in so you'd a lot of times. from the crowd up and you would spin this wheel and it had all the records, right? Yeah. All the records that we had. All the records. And the night we saw it, it hit the latest record. Yeah, and with the out crowd. Well, that was the latest record at the time. The time and boy, yeah. people were pissed. But that's the it was the, the luck of the draw because you never knew what it was going to hit. But then you'd play the whole damn record all the way through. <laughs> yeah, they were pissed. It was awesome. But I mean, like, look, uh... if you <laughs> do what your fans always want you to do, like, if wrestling has taught me nothing is it don't always do what your fans want you to do because whether they love it or they hate it 
at least they're paying attention. You know what I mean? Like you're getting a reaction. And that's what we're looking for a lot of times. We're just looking for a reaction. Like I, You did a heel turn on stage. Oh, yeah, right there. You know, it's just like, <laughs> oh, you don't like it? Go fuck yourselves. You know, and you just yell at people. And well, it doesn't matter. They have People to come back, come back next time to see the But they'll come back, the you know. And I mean, like, <laughs> they know that we don't mean it. They know that we're not um, vicious about our attacking of them. You know, Chris calls people, you know, with bad, brings people with bad haircuts up all the time. And I mean, the guy's got a lesbian mohawk, let's be honest, you know. It's a pot calling the kettle black, you know. <laughs> so, you know, we just, it, it is what it is. You know, it's, that's who we are. We're not going to really be anything different. The kids ever. with bad haircuts thing, this brings me up to another story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a, at a Bamboozle episode. An episode of Bamboozle? Yes, because it's, it's always, annually. yeah, it's always an episode. And I was interviewing some band can't remember i want to see what maybe it might have been the audition or something and we're in new jersey where the bamboozle is and a cop walks by <laughs> this cop with this like really like like stereotypical cop mustache goes a bunch of stupid haircuts <laughs> i was like what a dick <laughs> and then we're in then we have to go interview less than jake and they're like well less than jake wants to be interviewed on their tour bus i'm like oh whatever we love those guys do whatever they want we go on the tour bus and they're seated in the tour bus, all dressed as New Jersey cops, was yeah. less than Jake. And every single one of them had mustaches. Yeah. And Chris was the guy who had walked by the interview. <laughs> so what a dick. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Well, we do this thing called, for Cinco de Mustaches, you know, Cinco de Mayo, but we call it Cinco de Mustaches. Everybody should grow a mustache for it. So we were growing our mustaches. And when we were doing, the re- doing a record in Chicago, we were like, how are we going to do this? bamboozle thing and make it awesome because dude bamboozle kind of sucks it really i mean like from a fan perspective it's fun i suppose you know but from an artist perspective from my perspective like we just did it this past year it was fun show but it's very disorganized and it's just whatever however john d was always a huge supporter of our band um and andrew ellis as well and those were the dudes that were doing it at the time so um we're like, what are we going to do? We want to do something awesome. So we went and found a police officer supply store. We went, spent hundreds of dollars on these outfits. We all got fucking fitted and like the whole thing. Like we showed up and they like hemmed the pants. And I have a photo good. somewhere. We got, we have name tags made up with our names on it and the badges. Like we, hundreds of dollars on this thing. And my, one of my best friends is a cop in the city and he got me the New York City badges for the side you can't get those you know what i mean like you're not supposed to be able to generally and so we're cruising around dressed as fucking cops no one even looks at us cross-eyed we're walking everywhere right fucking dressed as cops we get up on stage and we come out to bad boys you know bad boys bad boys we all walk out my cousin my other cousin not the one that owns the donuts here but he's a fryhofer distributor and i called him and i said i need some donuts for what? I'm like, I'm going to throw him off stage. He's like, how many need? I'm like, 20 dozen. So he gave us 20 dozen donuts. <laughs> We're dressed up as cops. <laughs> and we just, at some point, we just grabbed the 20 dozen. And I'm fucking pegging people in the head with donuts and throwing them up in the air, like full boxes. People are losing their minds. Oh, They're just, yeah. and I mean, because people, we were like, people take this shit. So some of those kids take the shit so seriously, man, you know? And it's just like, that was just our fuck you, you know? <laughs> our, I think our whole career is based on fuck you pretty much. So. Yeah. But then you put on a really good live show and I, I come as someone who, you know, went through what I call my ska phase. 
Mm. Uh, where I was like, I'll go. You're see a harsh you. critic too, so I take your I take your opinion. It's a nice way of saying dick. But well, I, no, I, I mean, you know it. what I mean. Like you're you're honest. You're honest about your criticism. So I think I appreciate that. I've said to many bands, you need to change your name. Sadly, during interviews, yeah, <laughs> never ended well. I yeah. love watching Steve interview people when you can tell he doesn't like the band because it's like. You have this body language thing you'll do. It's so funny. Yeah. Like, you can totally tell. I'll be like, it's the worst. <laughs> yeah, you're being, it's being punished. You're so, just being so, punished. No, it's like, it's the worst. It's, it's so unprofessional. I'm supposed to be objective and be able to sit there no, and go, think, oh, that's good. I think and most it, people couldn't tell. I feel like if you see it enough. Back there going, God, you guys are loathsome. You have a record <laughs> Well, deal? you know what else is the worst part is like a lot of times you see bands, like I would go to press at Warp Tour and I would go into the fucking arena or whatever they had the group home that they'd have all these kids and there are these you know bands getting interviewed and the questions are like you know so tell me about uh your new record and then the guy would just be like um well we recorded it with neil avron <laughs> and yeah we're really pleased it's really mature yeah I think it's our best record. It's your and first just record. So it's fucking true. boring. It's Again, it's just like if you want to, you know, how people always go, how do you how have you guys been around for so long? Don't be boring. You know, whatever and I I can't remember who said that. Maybe it was somebody said we must never be boring. I think it was Chuck Pol Polakchnuk, the guy who wrote a Fight Club. Yes. It's like we must, you know, never be boring in life. Like life is, you know, too short to be boring. Yeah, you, you must never be boring. And like, I think that's a lot of these people are also afraid that they're going to offend somebody. I used to be that way when I was younger. I was afraid, oh God, if I say the wrong thing, we're not going to get on this tour or that tour. Now, fuck everybody. Seriously, <laughs> they could suck my dick. This comes Honest from a man who had Fat Mike cut his hair off on yeah, stage well, I during mean, a I, show. The one thing that Mike. See that? No. He, Pete that used happens. to have super long hair. You were hair. there for that, too. I was there for that's that. Right. And Mike would be, he was relentless. Yeah. He's like, stupid hippie haircut. And so finally went, okay, fine. And you let him come up on stage while they were playing, and Fat Mike cut his hair. Yeah, it was pretty cool. That's when him and I became, like, really... I mean, we were always friends. But that's Mike and I became really good friends. But he's that same kind of person where he doesn't really hold back what he thinks. He just says what he... And I've always respected that about him. He says what he feels, whether you agree with it or not, but he's still a good guy. You know what I mean? Like, he'll still be like, he'll be like yeah, I don't like your band, but you want to have a beer? Yeah. You know? No, nah, I won't listen to your record, but... <laughs> We could have a beer, you know, so, and I, I, he's never been afraid to do that. And I think that's part of the reason that they've been successful. But, you know, I think too, that if you're a kiss ass, nobody likes kiss ass, man. No. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I really love your record. No, you don't. You fucking liar. You know, don't lie about it. You know it. what's cool about what you would do is that the Warp Tour press was a lot of kids yeah. with cameras. Yep. And you guys would do it all. We would do everything. You I know? didn't care who it was. But that was and I, any of those younger bands that were pretentious to those young kids with cameras. I just wanted to walk in there with a bat, yep. and take them out because that's not cool. Because these are your fans who are just doing their own little. You know, the new zine is a website. Yeah, you know, and be exactly. You know, it's like yes, be, you know, it's like you're saying. You know, you can speak your mind or whatever, but you know, don't be a douchebag. Well, you don't about have it. to be a douchebag about. I mean, like these, you should be stoked that these people want to interview you, and that's what I say. Like, I'm just stoked that people want to talk about talk to me about my band after this long. You know, and like. If you're so important or self-important now that you don't have time to talk to these people, I think that if you are offered this life, 
because there's tons of people that want this life, you know, and if you are offered this life and you want to continue to live and do this and be in a band, then you have to do things that you don't want. This is a job. It is. It's like any other job, you know, and like, unfortunately, I used to always say I didn't want to call it a job because blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's that old Confucius saying, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. I love what I do. And yeah, it's work. And sometimes I would rather be anywhere than in the middle of a field in fucking Germany playing in front of Germans, know, Germans <laughs> or Austrians, whatever, whoever shows up. Um, Prussians. But I mean, it's, you know, we're, I'm very lucky, very lucky. We're very lucky as a group to be able to do this. But you made so. it. Well, you're expected. I mean, the thing is, you're expected to be the eternal 14-year-old little bratty douchebag. And the people that last forever and that do really well at this, they know that that's an act. Yeah, and they're they, not. They can play the act and they do a great job at it. But you know what? Yeah. I've been with those people. They fucking work hard and they take those little interviews and they treat everybody with respect. You have to treat everybody the same. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Henry Rollins said that. Like the guys who set up the stage should mm -hmm. get paid what the artists Hell get paid yeah. and should get that kind of respect. And my parents always told me, you respect, you treat everybody the same. Like doesn't matter what they do, what their job is, who they are, what walk of life. Treat everybody the same because then good things will happen. Yeah. You know, and that's true. I, I've always kept that and i've always tried to do that so what that's I, when you ask me about talking to younger bands that's why i say always because you never know who's going to be the next fallout boy like fallout boy but i think it's impressive to be able to relate to like a 15 year because i remember i did a cover store on no effects mm -hmm. for alternative press and mike was like dude if you're 15 years old like you have nothing interesting to say to me which it's like that's mike like obviously that's how he feels but i feel like it is hard like there is a big gap there is in development and that kind of stuff like i think it's cool that you can sort of interact with those people and sort of not be like, oh, I'm, what's this person going to say? Well, probably yeah. something to do that he's student taught and went to yeah. school for education. Yeah, totally, it, you know? totally. That's actually exactly. part of it. And I, you know, I always thought that if I didn't do music, I probably would have gotten into child psychology, you know, or been a psychologist or something because that is more important to being in a band than f anything is like being able to understand why people do the things that they do and how they react like they react and looking being able to step back from yourself and go oh well this is why this is crazy so this guy's just crazy so i should just hang out for a minute and everything will kind of mellow itself people get so worked up over nothing all the time to be in a band you know and then when you're young especially when you're young you freak out you know, because like, oh, it's not going my way. And I managed bands for a while, too, mm -hmm. you know, and like that you, was the one thing. did you do these green eyes? Really need yeah. To be a yeah, and that's when you really like, I gave that up because just people are like, because again, I think a lot of times you, people get caught up. And when you're young, you have these crazy expectations. And then you when you realize what life really is, you get really pissed. You know, you remember before you knew what bills were or rent was <laughs> or a mortgage was. And then when you found out that life isn't all fucking cake and candy, you were pissed, you know, and it changes you as a person it and especially like music because you think you're living your dream and then you realize it's a fucking nightmare, you know? I mean, who said it? Somebody smart said, you know, being in a band is, you know, uh, it's like a great hour of your day. It's the other 23. 23. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's true. Like... And I think that a lot of, I, you know, I never thought that I would be here doing this this long either and i think talking to a 15 year old and letting them know i wish when i was 15 that somebody talked to me and said things that i've said to 15 year olds now like 
you remember being 15 and just thinking that the world was the worst place ever and it was never going to be better and you're just sad and it's never going to be better and like I wish somebody would have said to me dude it's going to be okay you know and that's what I try to It's going to be way better yeah, than when gonna, you're 15 it gets way yeah. better you know and like <laughs> you see all these young kids that you know they cut themselves and they like that really bothers me you know that kind of shit really bothers me that's a very me. that's a very sexist you know, thing the kids cut themselves the mostly, kids mostly, i mean not like it's a very sexist condition most yeah. of them do that i saw that one yeah that you know got you know the teen suicide rate you know i look at these things and i'm just like fuck you know and now living now it just has to be so much it's got to be exciting to be 15 in 2012 but it also has to be like a bombardment of visual and audio and at a hundred miles an hour and, and the palm of your hand, you know what I mean? Like, because there's so many things that are pulling you so many different ways. Yeah. But it's not a bombardment to them. Cause that's all they know. But yeah, exactly. But that's got to like developmentally, like rewire you for social. You're so used to not talking to people like this, like talking like this. Yeah, that is true. And it is got to change a... the dynamic and how you relate to people. And it, I don't know. Kids my, are more comfortable texting than yeah, they are my talking. Little, my Dude, little what about the thumb, you know, the thumb generation, do you know about this? No. The kids now they like ring the doorbell with their thumb because they're stuff used to, like that. Yeah, yeah it's instead all of their index finger. This has been observed. Wow. In, in studies. Yeah. Well, because your thumb <laughs> has now become the more. Um, Maybe it's just a large family of hitchhikers. Could be. <laughs> That's a different generation. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I, I don't want to turn it into a psychological, you know, discussion about. It's happened kids. before. Yeah, let's but do I mean, it. This is. I mean, this is what it is, though. And like, kids are so susceptible, especially to what their peers think. That you know. Why is Blood on the Dance Floor so popular? Is it because they're really good or is it because a lot of kids really like it? You know? I don't know. I, I don't have an opinion one way or the other of them. I, and I'm not picking on them. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, why is a band like Black Veil Brides so popular? You know? I like the Black Veil Brides. And if I was 15 years old again, I would like the Black Veil Brides. Because they're Kiss are their grandfathers rock. and they mm-hmm. need that band. But they didn't have that band. That's what I'm saying. You know they what I mean? This band. So Motley yeah. Crue did it. <coughs> yep, did it. it. And now, you want yeah. a band who paints their face so you can go, oh crap, they and paint dude, their face. You know what? Yeah. I was the first one to go, fuck these guys. You know? And then I went to go watch them on Warp Tour and I was like, fuck, I like them. <laughs> like, this is, and they're good. They're really good at what they do. You know? It's like, if you like, met, like pop metal or whatever, cock rock as I used to call it, mm. You're gonna like the Black Veil Brides. You you should you should like them. You know. Um, but why are they so popular amongst kids? I don't. You know why it is because they're giving them something to believe in and something to hold on to that's theirs. And but that's we'll, why we all like the bands that we liked when we were kids because it was something that we believed in, something that we loved. But will these kind of bands have a longevity that say who less cares? Than, less than well, it's not the well the. I guess it's who cares for from a psychological standpoint of someone in a band who wants to... On an industry standpoint you're talking about? No, no I'm just saying for a longevity standpoint, because mm. less than Jake, you guys forewent the industry. Yeah, but it was also... We did what we wanted to do, yeah. you know? And even when we were signed to major labels, we were doing things that you're not supposed to do, mm. you know? So it's... Uh, each person is in their own band, and each person in their band... If you're in a band... If the group of people that you're with, if you guys aren't on the same page about what your goal goals are, not long-term, short-term, just like, <laughs> how are we getting to the gig tomorrow? You know, if you guys aren't on the same page about that stuff, you won't get past this year. Mm-hmm. You, won't, you might not get past this month, you know? And I think most um, people between the ages of 18 and 25, which tends to be the age most people are in bands, um, they don't give a shit. They don't look beyond next week, let alone next month. They don't think forward that way you know what i mean and they 
it's easier to look left and right than try to look down the street, you know? Do you think that because you were in a band that broke up helped you be in a band that was sort of established? Like, you you went through that so you knew what mistakes not to make? No, because we made a lot of mistakes in Jake, too, when mm-hmm. I jo- after I joined. Like, you make mistakes. And I think that that's it. It's like people look at mistakes as failures. It's not failures unless you don't learn anything from it, you know? If you make a mistake, you're learning. You know, like, oh, well, fuck that one up. So don't do it again. (laughs) The definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. You know what I mean? So I'm not crazy, (laughs) you know, because I I know that if I fuck up on something once, you're going to you try to fix it. Adjust. You know, life's like a baseball game. It's a series of adjustments. I don't understand sports metaphor. Yeah. See, that's the whole thing is I also I try to look sports music. I try to like encompass it all. You know, and like there's certain things I don't like, but, you know, there's a uh, it's, fu- it's funny what those little things will teach you, you know. See, with bands and comic books, I just don't have room in my head. for Yeah, sports. that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I look at it, the band, the sports thing. It's more like for a team, the team side of things, because if you're in a band, you're part of a team. If you're in a if you're like a solo act like a Justin Bieber or something like that, like you're still part of a team. But you just don't you realize know, you're, you're on more one. like. You know, Tiger Woods, you're more like the golfer, you know, yeah. you're, you're the guy who's really calling all the shots, and paying all the bills. So it's a little different. But when he lost his caddy, things changed. Yeah, man. That caddy wrote that book and it yeah. was over. It was over. See ya. Yeah. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter how many porn stars you fucked. Yeah. Or does it? Man, I loved seeing that paper, <laughs> that front page or back page of the, the daily news or whatever, the, all the broads that he slept with. And I was like, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all had the same reaction, which was. That guy? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> no, that totally. guy? I'm like, ew, look at her. You know what I mean? Like, God, she's gross. <laughs> he fucked her? God. But also, yeah, like... How talk, drunk was he? And ha- Tiger talk would about, do anyone. Talk about following comic books and sports. Like, try to have, like, seven affairs at once while you're married. Like, that seems like way too much work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you're texting. And yeah. You're, oh, dude. Like, but his wife was a total babe, too. Yeah, totally. You know, and I'm just like... That's what I don't understand. I love that she went after him with her own golf club. That's with the, the golf best clubs, thing. though. If yeah. you had to analyze Tiger Woods, what would you say um, about him? Yeah, do you think it was just like a like a risk thing or like some kind of? He knew he was Tiger Woods and he could bang all these girls. He was going to do it till he got caught. And I think after you get to a certain level, you'll do things to see how far you can go. You know, I mean, I did. I have. You know, well, not that I was ever superstar level or whatever, but like as soon as you get, as soon as you get away with one thing, you know, like I can get away, can I get away with this? Can I get away with this? Such shoplifter you know? mentality. Yeah. It becomes, yeah, it becomes a goal in itself. You yeah. Know, like how far can you go? Yeah. I stole a CD. Now I'm going to try and steal a bow and arrow. Yeah, man. Last night I had three pieces of pizza. I was like, one, two, how far can I take this? Yeah, can nice I take the work. whole pieces? <laughs> you could do a whole one because you weigh 80 pounds. <laughs> yeah. I would take that pizza and roll it up like a uh, burrito. Just <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, now that's I guess all I want to do right then I, now. <laughs> then I guess it would good. be a calzone, though, probably, right? No, mm. it's a pizzerito. Oh, pizzerito. Now we will be millionaires. Holy. Is that an urban dictionary yet? Let's go. Oh, I'm putting it on the best now. pizza in Connecticut. I know New Haven is a big... Peppies. It's pretty good. But I'll tell you, there's... Connecticut-style pizza is a little bit different than New York, because it's just thinner. That's the only difference. And there's other places that it's do it. It's thinner, thinner in Connecticut? Thin- you can get it here, yeah. So it's, it's paper? 
pretty much like you if you order a large pizza you i could eat half a large pizza myself like it down here you get two slices and you're like that's enough so if you you're know? from connecticut and you go to chicago you're just horrified it's like one piece out there man like, what but those things are good you know how do they do this i used to have this rule that i wouldn't eat pizza anywhere west of philadelphia or south of dc it's a good rule that's a good rule yeah, north good of rule. boston not that we really go into Maine that often or go to New Hampshire. But. I don't know. I had some pretty good pizza in Germany. But it's different now. This was years ago, you know, but now it's different. You can really get great pizza anywhere. You just have to get the Yelp app and it will tell you where to go. Hmm. That internet. Yeah, the internet is a wonderful thing. It's really been, it's made life easy. You don't even have to think anymore. That, and that's the, that's the, there's been many jokes about this, but you know, kids don't need to think because they can just be like, well, let me look at it real quick. Well, yeah, now I know the answer. I'm the only person left in the world that owns a Blackberry. Yeah, you um, are. You're, so. the, you're the one. Yeah, I'm it. I'm, I am Rim Industries. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, to be honest with you, I, the only reason I haven't gotten rid of it is because I signed in for a two year plan and I'm just not going to pay the company. And not just a Blackberry, but th those are actual physical buttons on the machine. Yeah, dude. And they're all, if you look, they're all worn away. So I don't know what letters I'm touching. Um, half the time, so just kind of going with it. Yeah, story of my life because I just don't care enough, you know. Like I, <laughs> when it's I was a man, thing. like when I was managing bands, I cared so much. I was like, I have to answer these people. I have to make these phone calls. And then I stopped managing, and I was just like, eh, fuck it, you know. I'm actually going to get a flip phone when I am done with this thing. I'm yes, not getting you an iPhone. A star tag. You might have to go into the past to get that, though. You no, they still that. sell them. Do they? they still sell them? My mom, she has one. She has a phone that you can't text on, actually. That's I don't know. Awesome. She's over. If you're over 65, you should not be texting anywhere or ever. on a phone ever, ever. Like Just saying. My first phone was a flip phone. It was awesome. It's a blue Siemens. Yeah, it always phone. worked, right? Yeah, it was a yeah. blue Siemens phone. You know this? Yeah. It always worked, and that's all I really want. <laughs> I have an iPad. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, it worked I in the ocean. switched over. Got to an, a, a Mac guy, but I just this fuck. You know, we don't really pisses me off. Five million iPhones were sold. Five million iPhone fives. Right. At seven hundred and forty nine dollars a clip. Fuck you. What recession? Because apparently everybody has all this money to spend on these like a eight hundred dollars, seven hundred and forty nine dollars ninety nine cents plus tax. That's a lot of money. Plus they, apps. Plus 100 bucks a month. Yeah, before, plus minimum 100 bucks. Yeah. Fuck you. Before Fuck it was you. released. I don't want to hear anybody's bitching and moaning about, oh, I can't afford to pay my bills. The Fuck week you. before it was released, they uh, were saying that they, they were anticipating that it would uh, affect the economy, the release of the phone. You know what's In awesome, a though? way. But you know what's awesome? That, it, that, you could, that you'd be able to see it. Friday, Apple shares went up over $700. Today, everything's down around 680 gone down they've dropped oh really i would have sold if i had apple share i would it's never going to be higher than it was friday like it's never going to be over 700 yeah, right that's it steve jobs is dead what what other what? guy is going to come up with these things you <laughs> yeah, know totally seriously like that's it if i had apple share I, apple stock once it hit 700 bucks like sold take it all someone's gonna someone's gonna figure it out they just have to know where to find that person and they're not in that technological vein they are in Video yeah. games or comics. Something will happen. It always, I mean, it always keep, does. Keep, keep an eye on the MakerBot people. That's where the shit's going. The 3D printer folk. Well, yeah. Yeah, that stuff's yeah. really cool. That's where that that's where it's going to end up being. I wanted to get Vinny one of those for Christmas. Really? You can yeah, afford them I think now. that's a really, yeah, they're like, not that expensive, yeah. really. They're like a couple, maybe a thousand? Yeah. 900 bucks, something like that. That's pretty Probably cool. Chinese sweatshop workers aren't killing themselves making those. 
Well, yeah, there was a riot. We don't know yeah, why there was riot riots started. There. Yeah. There was a riot at one of those iPhone plants. Dude, it's, someone's going to leak some footage or something. Something's going to come out and people are just going to. Dude, they made those people work like slaves. Yeah. No they live care. in the factory to I, build those. I hope everybody I loves know. their iPhones that the slaves in China built for you. I mean, I think everyone knows. Everyone already sort of knows, but I feel like well, it's Americans, like watching one of those PETA videos or something. Like Americans are very good at being ignorant. Yeah, We're the that's best true. at it. We're that's the true. best at it's it. The, why should it be any different? And I'm not supporting it. I think it's all crap. But why should it be any different for the clothes you're wearing? You know what I mean? The, no, totally. No, totally. I agree. Or the cars you're driving. I'm not saying... You Usually the, the clothes that you're wearing, though, aren't making people, you know, stay up for 48 hours at a time. Well, that's because they're children making the clothes and they can stay awake longer. <laughs> yeah, those little kids, they're allowed to stay up a little bit longer. They have a little bit more energy. I can't wait to have kids so I can make them do slave labor. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Build an army of slaves. It's not working out too well for me. Folks My so friend, Jay, you know, no. Jay for, that sings for the suicide machines. He I've has, never met him, but I love that band. He has six kids. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, creating an army, bro. One of my favorite people, JR, Pete Wazalewski from Less Than Jake, literally one of my favorite people. And if you talk to people who've met Pete, they will say the same thing. Very cool dude to talk to. I hope you guys dug that. Um, Jonah, you're heading out to watch uh, more Bar Rescue? Or I'm going to watch so much Bar Rescue. Um... <laughs> you watch that restaurant show on Food Network? With a guy, restaurant, re- not restaurant rescue, but restaurant impossible. No. Check that one out. I have like a really weird, I just get obsessed with like one reality show for a while and then don't watch anything else. Hmm. I, I don't really watch that much TV, but for some reason these, like the basis TV, sometimes it'll like click with me. Oh, I did that. I was sick and I was on the couch and have a lot of channels, but um, Tabitha's Salon Makeover was on and I watched like four episodes in a row. Yeah, I didn't have I have ca- no reason nor interest in any of that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have cable for so long and now we have it and my roommate is she's really into these Bravo shows and it's such a slippery slope, man. Oh, and yeah. it's a sad slope filled <laughs> with just the worst stuff ever. Oh, I know. <laughs> and I'm trying to hold on and it's like I'm being pulled and it's mm. I'm like, I have a book I want to read, a room away. <laughs> yeah. I have to get over there. <laughs> But watch what but happens fe- now is on. I know, it feels yeah. so far away. It's like, you know, my wife always falls asleep. We'll put on a movie and she always invariably falls asleep. But the only time she never falls asleep, the only movies she never falls asleep during are really, really bad ones. It's really? so weird because it's almost like she's just waiting to see what's going to happen next. Or scary movies. How bad could this be? See, I can't. But they put on a great film that we've both been waiting to watch for months and she'll She's out. She's out in 10 minutes. <laughs> do you finish it or do you wait and finish it later with I it? I always finish it. See? That's good. I back that. That's a problem. Completely back <laughs> uh, Again, if you want to hit us up on the website and uh, throw some, as Mark Marin would say, shekels our way, that would be great. We have a little donate button there if you like what you are hearing. Also, if you want to talk about what you like, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash going off track. We read it. Although I do find that graph that shows your reach very demeaning. Yeah, I agree. And also, email us to let us know what your favorite premium cocktail is. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. And the next podcast, we will drink all of them. (laughs) 